You're listening to a Same But Different podcast. Hello, my name is Ilmarie Braun and I work for Same But Different. We use the arts for positive social change and our experiences of telling unheard stories over the years has highlighted the need for a global publication that truly offers diverse voices through art, beauty, health and sharing inspirational real-life stories. We are incredibly excited to launch Rarity Life, a brand new online publication that offers those affected by rare disease, disability and cancer the opportunity to create content that is truly inclusive. As part of Rarity Life, we are also creating a podcast series, Rarity Life Heard, to ensure that our interviews are accessible to a wider audience. In this episode, I speak to Hannah Harpin, who at just 19 years old is on the cusp of seeing her dreams of becoming a model come true. Thank you so much for agreeing to chat to me today. It's okay. I had a quick look at some of your social media. So I know from that that for you, your um, your rare condition was a spontaneous mutation, as in it wasn't, it's not, no one else in your family has it. Is that right? Yeah, no one in my family's had it maybe for hundreds of years ago, but somehow I'm the chosen one. When you were born... Did your parents find out straight away? Do you know, have they told you about those early days, how long it took them to get a diagnosis for you? Basically, I got, I found a letter not so long ago of my diagnosis and it was three years after I was born. And then that was the proper diagnosis. They knew that I had it, but they didn't get a proper confirmed diagnosis. The way they found out was when I started crying just as I came out of the hospital, they found out I had a cleft palate. They just found it as I was crying. Back in them days, they didn't seem to check thoroughly. And I, I know one of the features of your condition is that you don't have hair. So obviously babies are born often with no hair. That wouldn't necessarily be something they'd spot. When I was little, I had quite a lot of hair. I had thick hair. Oh, I didn't realise that. So did was the hair loss gradual? Uh, basically, I didn't grow any hair as I grew older. I had thick hair when I was little. But as I grew older, the, hair, the little hair didn't stop growing and the hair what I've got now is the hair what I had ever since I was little. So... Do you remember now one of the things that you talked about in your in your interview in the Daily Mail and you're really honest about was the fact that you've been bullied. Do you remember that starting at an early age or was that more in teenage years? It was like early age. It started off like when kids would stare at me in the street because at an early age kids start to learn the differences between people and I think they don't know how to communicate with the person who they're staring at. That's why the next one. If you saw a child staring at you, how would you want their parent to react? Would you want their parent to say, it's OK, go ask, go ask her a question? Or would you want the parent to say, don't stare, it's rude? But what do you think would be a good way for parents to teach their children how to, how to behave, really? 
I mean, I can't really speak on every disabled person, but for me, for me personally, I would rather them ask questions rather than stare. Because I had a little boy personally ask me a question. He asked why did I wear sunglasses when it was, you know, when it wasn't sunny. And they were asking me about my skin. And then I told him. And then his parents said to him, stop being rude, it's rude to ask questions. And then I went, it's not rude because he just wants to learn and not assume stuff. No, I, th- I think you're right. I, I think a lot of people would rather be asked. But like you say, we can only speak for ourselves. Now, you in the article I read, you said that early on you wanted to be a model. When did you start modelling? When I was around the age of eight, I had like these school photos taken. And then my teacher asked me what did I want to do when I was older. And I said to him, I, I wanted to be a model. And I remember this person saying to me, yeah, I'm not going to become a model with the way I look. And then looking back at it now, it's just like really, really special because now that I am a model, I can just say to my younger self that I will become a model. And it's really, really emotional, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes the things people say are truly quite shocking. Mm -hmm. Now that you are a model, does that give you confidence in your beauty and your physical self? I do have like my flaws, what I don't really like about myself, but... It does give me confidence when I step in front of that camera. I'm like that younger me before I got bullied. But like, as I said, not a lot of people know about me when I'm in the streets. I get stared at. I wish a lot more people knew about my condition. And a lot lot of people don't. How do you cope with it now when people stare at you or make you feel uncomfortable? Sometimes when I'm out in public, a lot of people will like, talk and they'll stare but now that I'm older I, I, I dress up like really gothic a really alternative so I'm giving something for them to stare at rather than me and it gives me like a confidence boost because I'd rather be stared at and rather be ignored you know what I mean so in a way you're creating a persona that you want people to look at and engage with to maybe protect your more fragile self inside yeah. So you said sort of gothic. Have you experimented with different looks over the years? or? Yeah, I did experiment with different stuff. Like I used to dress up in like track suits and that wasn't me. That was something who I was pretending to be because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like everyone else just to please people. But now that I'm older, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to stand out. I don't care if people call me weird for the clothes I dress. I don't care what people think. It's it's about me and me in my world. It's about what I want to dress up, not for what other people want me to dress up. In a way, you're maybe because of the traumatic experiences you've had with people judging you on the way you look or who they think you are, you sound now like you're in a much more confident place and you know, no longer feeling like you have to dress to fit in, which is something so many girls and, and women struggle with. Yeah, I think I think a lot of girls struggle because if you look at, like, social media, there's lots of girls who are pretending there's something that they're not, like, they want to please other people. 
Like, there's so many people who edit the photos because they're scared of, like, being bullied for their insecurities, which they don't, they don't need to worry about. How have you found social media as a platform? Do people interact with you on social media more kindly than in real life or the other way around? It varies because um, and I remember in high school when people would, like, make up pages about me like hate pages and yeah people will troll a lot on social media how did you deal with that like I, I can't imagine how as an already vulnerable teen and I mean vulnerable in the fact that you're already being bullied in real life how did you deal with it online I troll the people back. I don't. I don't make fun out of the looks or anything. I just troll them back. You got to show that you don't care. That's what the attitude is. If you let them affect you, then they're going to do it more. Yeah. So now, obviously, especially with the modelling that you're doing, your online presence presumably is growing. Do you manage that yourself? I manage my own pages. When somebody approaches the model agency to book you do you think they go and look at your social media or do you think they've only looked at you through the through the agency page I think they look at my social media and I think the like when they look at your social media I think you've got to be like um show your true self because if you don't show your true personality then they wouldn't want to you know they wouldn't get to know you so for you your social media is actually a really important work platform do you mostly view it now as a work platform or is it still very much yours i've got a personal instagram which is like for my close friends and then i've got my modeling instagram and my modeling instagram is like my work my Profile is like a CV, basically. Yeah. So you mentioned your close friends. So are they friends from who who you've met through your work? Where did you meet? Because often when when we're bullied early, that really changes how we make friends, doesn't it? I met one of the friends on the social media when they were bullying her for being trans, and they were bullying me for being disabled. So. That's how we met up, basically, and that was maybe five years ago. And now we we kept in contact and we're really close friends. You mentioned there about being bullied because you're disabled. Do you view yourself as disabled? Yeah, obviously I see myself as disabled because a disability doesn't have a look. It can, like, lots of disabilities are invisible. Some you can't see and some you can and if that person thinks that they're disabled, then yeah, they are disabled. Yeah, no, and I think it's really important because I think for some people who are bullied, then they want to try and not not associate with that. So I think it's really important that that's, that's something that you claim. With your condition, are there any physical aspects in terms of, does it, do you experience any pain? Yeah. I do experience pain, like, with my eyes and with my joints sometimes. My joints sometimes hurt. You mentioned your eyes. Are you photosensitive? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. What about, do you, would you burn easily? Would your skin burn easily in the sun? I've never really been burnt, but, because I've kept out with some light, but when I have, I've been burnt quite badly. What would you like 
to achieve, obviously you you wanted to be a model and you're modeling, which is amazing. If you could choose any campaign to be part of, what would it be? It would definitely be Primark, like something of Primark, definitely Gucci, Burberry, but most importantly, makeup campaigns, because if I go through makeup like campaigns, little girls will see that nothing Maybe it's okay to be different. I've always wanted to go into a shop and see myself, do you know what I mean? Like, see myself modelling them clothes and I'd be like, oh my God, that's me. That would be an amazing experience. How was lockdown for you? Because obviously you are at the age, you know, where you should be going out, meeting people, doing things. And actually for the last two and a bit years, there's been lockdown after lockdown. Has that impacted you, do you think? With lockdown, I was, that's when I first did my TikTok because it got really boring in lockdown. So I thought, you know what, I'll make TikToks. And then all of a sudden, my TikToks went viral. And like, I think I got over a million views on one of them. Oh, wow. And then that's when I got hit up by this production company to make my own documentary. And then after the documentary, I got signed with my agency and that's why it all started just because of lockdown making TikTok. Wow. So actually for you, lockdown had a positive that most of us can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now the modelling world is well known for for actually not being a kind and nurturing place for models. You know, people are told they're overweight when for the average person they're not or they're not pretty, you know, their looks aren't striking enough all the different things. Has your modelling experience been more positive? Yeah, it's been really positive, yeah. Like, I've had no troubles with it. Like, yeah, hopefully I'll be getting more jobs this year. You're still really quite early on on this journey into being a model and, and showing the world that your beauty is a beauty that we should all be sharing and we shouldn't have these stereotyped images of what is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Because last year I just started out, you see, and this year I will get my jobs, hopefully. Have you met any of the other models? Yes, I've met quite a few models on my agency, and it's always been like a really good experience to meet them. Yeah, no, I can imagine it would be really empowering. How are your family feeling about you modelling? I mean, it's... It must be so worrying for any parent to watch, you know, their child tip over from being a child into adulthood and that's where you are now you're making you know you're you're starting out with modeling how is that for your family are they proud are they nervous my mum's really proud of me but she gets a bit worried when I go off to like London she's always like message me message me when you get there message me when you're coming home and stuff like that yeah I don't message her that stuff <laughs> <laughs> of children for any parent yeah and in terms of sort of just taking a step back if you don't mind to to when you were being bullied before you'd found a bit more confidence how did you deal with with the mental health side of things did you I didn't I didn't really get help you didn't I did when I was 14 to like 13 to 14 and that's where a counselling came but, like, my school didn't do, well, my first high school didn't do anything. And, like, I remember I 
used to look out for this disabled girl. She was maybe two years younger than me. When she looked around the school, I took her around with her mum. And I said to her mum that I'll look out for her and stuff like that, which I did. I always made sure that she was okay, made sure that if anyone's bullying her, then she must tell a teacher. And I remember when I left that school, I used to see her all over people's social media on the Snapchat stories filming her and laughing about her. And I felt so bad because I usually was the one to get picked on. And now that I left that school, well, when I did leave that school, there wasn't any disabled girl to bully, so I picked on the next one. And that I felt so awful when I left that school. I mean, that's so incredible in two ways. One, that you felt, you know, almost responsible for her, that you couldn't protect her anymore. I mean... That wasn't on you, you know, she shouldn't be bullied full stop and you shouldn't be bullied full stop. But that shows that you're a very kind person, that you felt bad that you weren't there to take the bullying for her. Yeah, when I was getting bullied, I would bully the people back who bullied me. And they didn't like that because in society, people think that disabled people should be cute little innocent human beings. Do you know what I mean? And they'll infantilise and I think what you said there is amazing, you know, about people infantilising disabled people, because that happens all the time. And the expectations that, that society has about how you should be if you've got a certain condition or if you've got this disability, etc. Yeah, and if a person bullies someone back, then they have every right to because they shouldn't have been bullied. Full stop. So can I just ask, so with your, your hearing aid, it's it's connected to the to the bone at the back, is that right? I think so, yeah. So is it like a magnet that or is there a little clip? How does it sit there? It's like a little screw and then the hearing aid just clips onto like a screw. It's like a press stud. Okay, yeah. So do you take it off at night? Yeah, I took it off. I think I thought I took it off last night. And then I, look, I was looking in the morning for half an hour and it turns out it was on my head. <laughs> That's like when people put their glasses on their head and they can't find them. Yeah. When it's off, can, do you have no hearing at all? I have little hearing. I can just about make out what a person's saying, but I can't at the same time. Think of it as like you're underwater, but like you're like 10 feet deep and you can't hear anything, it just sounds muffled. So you could hear ambient sounds. So like if you were lying in bed and your mum were banging on the door, you'd be able to hear like that there was noise happening. No, I wouldn't be able to hear that. I can hear high-pitched noises, but I can't hear low. Okay. Do you know when your parents discovered that you couldn't hear? Because again, with the baby, that's not immediately obvious. I still remember my first ever hearing aid, you know, which was around at the age of five. It was like a metal band that went on top of my head, like a headband. Then they upgraded me to like a soft band. And after the soft band, it went to the Baja, which was at the age of like 11 to 12. At the age of 12, I could hear properly. And before that, I couldn't understand English all that well. At the age of 12, I could understand it better because I could hear a lot more words, a lot more sounds. Like, I'm still trying to understand. Like, I first heard of Cocoa Pop Pop the other day. 
and I didn't know the pop. And I thought, I used to think, like, I used to say, oh, yeah, I can hear that as a child just to fit in, but, like, they actually pop. Did they give you support at school to help you with learning if you couldn't really hear it properly? No, not that I'm aware of. They, they gave me, like, helpers, but they didn't help me to that extent. So do you find it hard to access education because of your hearing? Yeah, I'm still doing my GCSE because I couldn't really hear properly back then. I'm still trying my hardest to understand. Like, I'll write down sentences and I think, oh, that's all right. And then I look back at it a couple of days later and I thought, that doesn't make no sense because it's what I've grown up with, it's what I can hear. Do you know what I mean? I mean, actually, education is really hard to access if you can't access it in the typical way. And that's where schools should be providing learning support and colleges, obviously. Yeah. That, you know, they should be providing information in different formats or, you know, addressing it more creatively if there's a hearing barrier in place to you accessing learning. Yeah, I remember when I was little, I always wanted to, like, be a nurse, be a midwife. Some things have changed, like, careers wise it's changed like I want to help disabled people do you know what I mean but not be a nurse and help younger people help children who are facing struggles with bullying that's what I want to do I don't want to be a nurse anymore well I think the fact that you're making yourself visible that you're out there that you're talking about your experiences All of those things will help people who are looking. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to me and answer my questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rarity Life Heard. Hannah was brilliant. Life hasn't always been easy. And hearing Hannah talk with such honesty about the challenges she has faced and still faces, it's really important. It's so easy to say, be kind, but the reality is that the world is not always that kind for many people living with rare diseases. We hope you enjoyed listening to Hannah as much as we enjoyed talking to her. To find out more, you can follow Hannah on Instagram under the username Hannah Harpin. To see more of the work we do, you can visit our exhibitions on our website, and you can also find out more about our support services there too.